Welcome back, everyone, to the OG. I'm Don Povey. I'm joined once again by my partner in crime, Kyle Bunch. Kyle, welcome back. Good episode last week, man. I got we got some good good feedback and good excitement coming from that. I mean, at least good feedback for uh, Jamie Mottram's timeless looks, uh, his, his the ageless wonder. So um, hopefully, we'll be able to pick up some serum sponsorships out of uh, that episode, if nothing else. Well, um, speaking but, of which, we, we we might be rolling that right into this week and, and and packaging this whole deal. Look look at this other ageless wonder that's sitting here with us. We got well, it says Michelle Seebeck, but I, I think this is uh, this is Matt Seebeck. Matt, welcome. Yeah. Look at that hair, that chiseled, those chiseled, timeless features of yours. Oh uh, yeah, and, and and perfect 2020 work from home nature. My my wife used this account last, so there it is. I just just updated the name. Good to be with you guys. And great interview last week. I, I always enjoy a little mantra to start the day. Uh, good interview. Very insightful. And uh, and pleased to follow him up. Well, you were supposed to lead him off. And, and we had some some scheduling snafus. But yeah. I'm, I'm kind of glad it worked that way. Jamie, you know, is 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 the pod father, the, the, the pod father, the godfather, the blog father. So yeah. uh, it was good to have him kind of kick this thing off. But um, yeah, Matt, thanks for joining. And I joked around before we got on that the last time I was podcasting under the Blogs of Balls umbrella, it was for the Joe Sports Fan radio network, which I always say was well ahead of our time. You kind of pushed us in this direction, was trying to push everyone in that direction. We had a nice little coalition of of you hugging Harold Reynolds, you at Joe Sports Fan. We could talk a little bit about that and the sports hernia, that sort of irreverent sports comedy don't take ourselves too seriously we're trying to do this podcast thing back when nobody would but dan levy was doing it and uh but now here we are 12, yeah, 12 years it's later it's funny and I'm, I'm i was i was happy and you know pleased obviously to see you guys resurrect this and um and i think the structure of the show is is a really good format um but you know the whole idea of that podcast network is obviously you know, pretty popularized uh, by by today's standards, but you know, I, I think ten years ago, when the monetization was totally flipped the other way, uh, not a lot of people understood you know the value of the network together. So I was happy that you guys reemerged this show and are kind of the last one standing now. You know, yeah, independence is uh, everybody got bought or went off and did other things, and uh, so you yeah. know, here we come full circle. We were talking, but you know, like we talked about last week, maybe there's that wave of new stuff as a lot of the sort of Substack revolution and everybody going direct. So it felt, I don't know, like the time was right. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I'll dive in and kick things off because Don always steals the mic for so long. Uh, you and I reconnected after not having talked for for a long time, just a few weeks ago, because of because of the new role you're in, and I think that's that's kind of a good place to start at the present, and then it sort of speaks to a lot of the things you've done in the past, but. Tell everybody about the role you have as as chief experience officer there with St. Louis City and and kind of building a a new sports franchise from the ground up. Yeah, thanks, Kyle. And it was it was fun to reconnect now that we've uh, we've kind of you know both gone gone separate ways, but also have have this relationship as, as the common you know intersection point. And um, you know, I had a chance to become the chief experience officer of of the new Major League Soccer team here in St. Louis, Missouri. Um, I officially started on October 1st and uh, I, I couldn't be more excited. Um, it's, uh, you know, effectively a, a role that is is new to professional sports, this idea of experience officer. Um, it's a lot of the interviews I do, people think it's made up um, where, you know, really I, I spent the last, and we'll dive into more of the career stuff, but it's really spent the last 10 years consulting for retail and restaurant brands that 
usually have a chief experience officer. And really what that says is you are the single function that ensures customer delight and satisfaction. And thus you really own the responsibilities of brand marketing and technology. And so, you know, rolling that up together, it felt like a more efficient way to organize the business, but really puts customers and data at the center of the organization where, I mean, we all work in companies big and small and, and typically the marketing function and the technology function are two totally different silos and organizations. They speak different languages. They're held accountable for different things. Marketing come up with ideas and technology people are supposed to implement them. And a lack of cohesion just creates, it creates ripples. And we can feel that as consumers when we walk into a store, or place an order at a restaurant. And so anyway, it, it was really a way to say, we're going to organize ourselves to be different. And, um, and I'm pumped. I, I'm pumped. We have an ownership team that is fully bought into that philosophy of really let, let's create ourselves as, a, as an e-com company that happens to play soccer, not the other way around. And I think, you know, if, if anything, the global pandemic, I think, really shined a light on why that's necessary. And if you do things that way, you know, a customer-centric, data-centric organization, you can, you can pivot and flex in ways that you need, where a lot of our peers across Major League Soccer and other sports are, are trying to retrofit and, and claw back, you know, data and, and new ways to go to market. So anyway, it, it, it's a long answer to, uh, to the first question, but one that, um, that I, I'm fired up to really kind of lead, lead the charge in, in, in a new way of looking at a professional sports organization. No, it's actually, I mean, so many of the things you're saying are this 10 years on evolution of, of a lot of the things when we got started and it was this kind of barbarians at the gate, bottom up kind of thing where we as the sort of consumer and fan could go use technology, kind of create what we wanted to see, whether or not leagues wanted to let us. So much of it was like how to cover stuff when the leagues won't let you and won't give you credentials. And now here we are, it does feel like a sort of full circle thing. So I'm Curious. I mean, certainly there's a lot of things to, to talk about that are pandemic related and lead to just so much uncertainty on the horizon. But I'd focus in a little bit on, I guess now we're the older ones, but the but the younger fans that we represented when we got started with this and how you're thinking specifically about, you know, what feels like a growing divide between the guy who's our age or probably a few years older and consumes sports in one very specific way to this to to a younger fan that, you know, is is a lifeblood for the MLS and how you're thinking about like that building from the ground up for that fan more and more, you know, knowing who it'll be core to who you, your audience is. Yeah. I, I think, you know, we, we've done a lot of, of um, research really over the last year to, to understand our fans and get into, you know, personas, demographics, technographics. And um, I, I just, I, I love it. It really, it, it, it's that kind of, you, you can take more of an anthropo anthropology look um, at, at really your fans before you deliver, you know, a piece of technology. And I, I think our demographic is unique. Um, it, it, it just is because we're, we're really that one demographic that we're, we remember the analog world and we grew up that way, but yet we were early adopters in kind of the new wave of technology. And so we, we grew up reading the newspaper, but we're early to blogs. We um, remember cassette tapes, but went to Napster and MP3 first. Um, you know, so it's this weird paradox that that demographic is in that I think you have to speak to and offer tools and technology a little bit differently than the younger generation, which yes, it does feel weird to say that, uh, but, but this mobile first generation that 
um, you know, expects things to be fast and frictionless and has, they want to be rewarded and loyalty has to be at the backbone of it. Um, lack of integration, uh, it, it just, it, it's got to be there. And, and I think, you know, to tie it back to sports, it is an incredibly fragmented market. And I, I think we didn't do anything to help that in, the, in this blog revolution because the barrier to entry of tools and technology was so low that creation kind of became the easy part. And so you, you had all of these new product companies and disruptors come in, um, you know, Seeky disrupting Ticketmaster. And that that's kind of the big arbitrary example, but there's a million underneath of it. And so it, what it created in its wake is this industry that has a lot of products, a lot of platforms, and um, just data that doesn't flow very seamlessly. And so if you're trying to create you know, that experience for, for the younger generation that expects mobile and expects, you know, frictionless service, it, 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 it can be really hard to do. So um, I think that's the position that a lot of, a lot of teams find themselves in right now is it's not that they don't want to create that next generation fan experience. It's just, how do I do it? Because I'm sitting on so much technical debt over the last 10 years. You know, what's interesting to me is that everything that you've talked about about what is expected now right we've seen coming for 10 years right and the fact that leagues and teams and organizations are just playing catch up to this now is a bit surprising right you didn't say anything that was necessarily groundbreaking i think the groundbreaking thing is that uh no one's really embraced or structured it the way that that the team seems to be doing which brings me to my question was this a position that the team was actively seeking out? Is this something that you as an individual uh, seized? How did the position come about? Because I, I believe you said it's not just the first in uh, MLS, it's, it's the first in professional sports, correct? Yeah, it was, I've had a, a, you know, a chance to act as a consultant the last, last year. So really from the outside in doing a lot of their, um, you know, brand research, um, you know, regional research and just how how, you know, work with the ownership team on, on, you know, some of the simple things like the brand language and, um, you know, ultimately the team name colors and how that comes to market. And, um, and just in, in some of the research, you know, the ideas we were noodling with a year ago, really in stadium and, you know, we're building a, uh, beautiful stadium in downtown St. Louis, but how do I, as a, as a, as a marketer and technologist sit with that stadium design team and make sure that, we're designing a stadium that is not only aesthetically next gen, but is built for flexibility. Again, I, I come from restaurant um, where, you know, you can pick up Panera's app and dine in, order curbside, rapid pickup. Uh, so there's all these different fulfillment options. And so it was really meant for me to sit alongside the stadium build process while also doing a lot of the, the, you know, some of the brand and marketing work and say, you know, how do we just, how do we do things differently? knowing that sports has a fairly predictable sequential playbook. Um, but that was pre-pandemic. And so what, what, what emerged, you know, around, around April, March, April of this year was really, you know, as we looked at the front office and the organization and, um, you know, when you start hiring people, this idea of chief experience officer came up just as a way that, you know, if we could organize ourselves and get it right from day one, how do we do that? Um, so it was, it was either, uh, go out and, and try to find someone for that role, uh, or, or saddle up and, and take it myself. So, um, you know, the ability to kind of 
kind of do the things we've talked about for the last 10 minutes in my home city with the sport I love. Like it was just, um, it was, it was kind of a dream come true. So didn't imagine myself being here, uh, nor this role existing in my own backyard, but, um, but here we are. And I'm, I feel really lucky to be there. It's a, there's like a business lesson in there of it, when you can be the one writing your own job description, you're usually in a pretty good spot. That's, that's where you want to find yourself. So, and, and, yeah. uh, to the renders, I, I saw those traveling around, I guess, over the last week or so, everything's looks amazing down there. And, and, um, you know, so, so I imagine with that, you're getting influence, not, you know, all of the sort of core touch points from a fan standpoint, but even starting to look into how the, team shows up in a community in a city, right? Like this has got to be sort of a dream in terms of the the impact of not just bringing something to the city, but then having it fan out across blocks and miles and all of that. How's that? How do you, how do you even just wrap your head around that much of what you're, what you're putting on the city, you know? It, yeah, it's, it's, um, it, it's, it's cool. You know, um, uh, Brian Killingsworth is a, is a good buddy of mine. He's the CMO over at Vegas Knights. Um, previously the CMO of St. Louis Rams. Uh, it's how, how we know each other, but you know, he, we, we go back and forth a lot. And that was really the thrill for him is to enter a new market and really create a brand from, from nothing um, all the way up until your first game where, you know, kids in the street are wearing scarves and jerseys and like that, 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 that has, that has a feeling that that will never leave. And so I, yeah, I wanted to be a part of, of that. Uh, Cause you know, that, that, that train leaves the station one time. So so that's fun, but but to get more in, into the tactical aspects of your question, Kyle, it's it's um, you know we we don't play our first game until 2023, and so we're we're building a magnificent stadium, and but I, I again I, I think the way that sports is architected, and Don, you mentioned it before, of of we were knocking on the door ten years ago because we were coming at it from the fan angle, and I, I think that the way that most sports organizations conduct business is to focus on the product on the field. And rightfully so. Those are the high price talent. That's, that's the money maker. That is the machine that keeps it all humming. But again, what the pandemic did was to say, what if fans can't enter the building and watch that product? Well, now what happens? Well, now we need to, now it needs to fully shift itself to digital. And that can be television and streaming deals, advertisement and sponsorship, digital enablement through app and website and social. So it's really all the things that haven't really been a focus for 10 years. The we as fans obviously want them and know of them, but it just provided a focus on those things. And, and, and so, you know, again, back to, back to the position of, of this pandemic, we get to, we get to actually kind of observe, which we're really fortunate to be able to do. And hopefully by 23, all of this has passed us and fans, you know, from a psychology perspective, feel comfortable getting back into a stadium and, and cheering their team on. So we get, we get to, we get to kind of sit and observe and then take advantage. Um, but if digital is the focus of all teams, including ours, that needs to start now. And, and so um, that that's really where a lot of our focus is certainly on the stadium build, but also how do we start, speaking with fans in the community and develop and, you know, engagement platforms for, for us to start right now and to build a relationship two years before we ever, ever kick a ball in the field. Well, you know, I did some work with the Yankees uh, a couple years back. And one of the interesting things, and I'm thinking about this, as you say it, is that you also have all these different demographics that you're trying to attract as, as customers. You can have your, your suite, 
owners, right? Your season ticket holders, your single game ticket buyers, your merchandise buyers, right? And so there's a lot of different um, you know, people and demographics that you're trying to touch in various capacities, whether it's online or, or analog. Um, which kind of brings me back to something else that you said earlier, which was, you know, we're the old guys now, like we're, we're, we're in that middle, that, that sweet spot, but you know, we all have kids and, you know, my kids are using platforms that, you know, I, I don't grasp. Um, have you had the autonomy in your position to kind of build out a team of say younger fans to reflect some of those people that you're going after as consumers and, and how to effectively reach them? Or are we putting our, you know, 40 year old brain into trying to reach these, you know, 16 year olds that we want to buy scarves or hats and things like that? No, you're absolutely right. And um, I mean, I think the, the amazing thing is, is sports are this very visible platform. And so there's no shortage of people that want to work for, for teams and clubs. And um, so it, it, it is, um, it's breathtaking in a way to, you know, to, to post positions and see the amount of interest um, that people have in sports, just because it's, it's, you know, it's the fabric of communities and for, you know, a community like St. Louis that, that really rallies around its sports teams, um, you get a lot of interest in open positions. So, you know, we're, we're, again, we're, again, we're, we're, um, we're a startup right now um, and we're in the formative stages of the organization, but we are, you know, starting to hire people um, and next year we'll, we'll really expand. So um, definitely have a, have a look for, you know, younger, hungrier, um, you know, people that like to hustle, that like to roll up their sleeves. And, and it's great to have a strategy session, but knowing that we're in the formative stages, like people that can roll up their sleeves and, and want to execute and help get work done. Um, but also like, so it's this Venn diagram of we want the young, hungry people and people that love sports and love St. Louis, but also they understand the culture that we're trying to create, which is fan centric data centric organization. And, you know, as much as I love soccer, uh, it's, it's really the secondary benefit of why I love this job. You know, it's really that we get to create an e-com company that, that happens to play sports. So, um, it's pretty fun. Well, using both the sort of startup and kind of bit of e-com as a, maybe a jump to, to move back a little bit and some of the things that led up to this. Um, and we were talking, I think before the call, Don was sharing his, uh, what has become his annual Christmas card plan, which is to turn to, uh, to turn to your, your company, to turn to rookies in the app and, uh, create a few baseball cards, uh, with his family. And, um, you know, be interesting, you know, he, you, and you, I was interested to hear you saying like, you're still working, you're still seeing the fulfillment, you're still involved. So talk about that, you know, where, where you, that jumped off of, you know, I think last time I saw you at a blogs with balls event, that was in the earliest days. So talk a bit about rookies, talk a bit about being a startup founder in the sports world. Yeah. And I, I, Don is, uh, Don's flagged in our system as a, as a high valued, high valued <laughs> consumer. Um, it, it, it is cool. And there, there are, there are, there are customers like, like Don, you know, that order those Christmas cards every year. And so it's cool to see those repeat customers and to be able to kind of go back and follow that trail. Um, again, we, we talked about like our generation, uh, the one that, that moved from an analog and very physical world to the early adopters, the digital side. I just, I really, I just, I love those types of experiences that can jump between those worlds and um, and rookies was really kind of a just a fun way to do that. That me and a couple buddies put together. Rookies is effectively a business we started eight years ago. That was um, 
an iPhone app allows you to create your own baseball card. You can, you know, share it on, on social Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Um, but then you can actually get it, get them printed out, uh, as a, as a real physical baseball card. And we put a lot of energy into, there you go. There's the digital version. And then Don held up the physical version there that comes, you know, comes wrapped in a, in a wax pack. Um, it's on that, you know, 14 point card stock. So it feels like a real card. The front's glossy, the back is not. So when you touch these things, it should, it should bring you back to, to the eighties when, when we opened cards as a kid. And, and so that nostalgia that we were deliberately aiming for was, was meant for our demo. Um, so it, it was fun. Again, we, we did it as an experiment and, and in that experiment, we learned so much about, uh, you know, how to create an e-com company, um, how, to, how to do things like retargeting and marketing, email automation, um, taxation across states. Like there's just a little nuance in there that you don't learn unless you just kind of roll up your sleeves and, and do something like that. Um, and so that was really what we were aiming for. The, the, the kicker was it just, it just took off in ways that we didn't anticipate. Our, our target demo was guys like us that, that grew up collecting cards. And we thought this would be a fun thing for guys to be in the bleachers at Wrigley and create cards and jokes of each other. Maybe they'll get them printed out. And, and the surprise on, on rookies was we have about 60% of our customers that are, that are female buyers. And the females are buying, buying the cards as Christmas cards like Don shared, groomsmen gifts for weddings, um, birth announcements for their, their firstborn. Um, so just kind of all these really neat and interesting ways to use baseball cards to communicate a message. Um, so it, it's a, it's a living and breathing company, um, still that really runs on its own and is growing organically. Um, but it was a lot of fun. And I, I, you know, uh, not, not to sound like too cliche, but it's one of those things that I, I thought was so important as a stepping stone and a, and a learning point for me to learn those things that kind of worked up to, you know, ultimately the position I'm in today. Uh, it makes total sense. And I will, I will give a, a double plug on this one. Definitely encourage everybody to download the app. One, the amount of time uh, I've spent with meme generation, very, very solid, underrated meme generation tool that, that isn't as done to death as, as a big giant impact font. So, um, but, but the physical product and having gotten it from Dawn for years and now, uh, you know, working on a New Year's card for my family, definitely download the Rookies app, a, a strong, hardcore plug, authentic plug, not just uh, not just hyping our, our uh, guest here, which was, yeah, you know, we're, we're lucky, Matram too. We've, we've had guests that have gone on to make stuff I really do use. So I, I love yeah. that. Yeah. So, so I have two directions I might want to take this. One is, great your, your educational and work experience uh, to be able to do this, right? Not just anybody can come together and create, you know, a, a digital app and, and an e-commerce company. But the other thing I want to do is, is how we met, because I think baseball cards was really the impetus for this because, you know, the, the whole Joe sports fan crew ganged up on me for stealing the idea of worthless sport, uh, worthless, what was it? Worthless yeah, card right. collection. Yeah. Uh, with, with Gem Mint 10, because frankly, just my love of, as you just mentioned, stupid cards, which I, I brought a special box of worthless cards for you here. So we're just going <laughs> to pull this it. out here. What do we have? Oh, look at, look at the first one here. We got, we got Bad News Brown, right? Oh, WWE fantastic. card. Look at the look on that. 
Tom, Tom Hume, Tom, yeah, Tom, Tom Hume. Hume. I was hoping for a Pentacolvi there. But, uh, uh, well, Tom they all they, they they all seem to have Pentacolvi's glasses. Every one that I'm pulling out, but oh yeah, I mean that that entire that '86 top series, a lot of. Lot of uh, lot of glasses, a lot of mustaches. <laughs> That's, I actually am trying to grow one out in honor of uh, the '86 top yeah. series. Yeah, there you go. rims, and I'm yeah. I'm a left-handed reliever all of a sudden. <laughs> so, so how did you get into, let's say, the content production as a blogger? We we mentioned the podcasting earlier. Um, Joe, sports fan, and the sports hernia. Who again? I was fortunate to uh, collaborate with, albeit for a a small window. Were just two of my favorites because of just the tone. There were a lot of sites that were just downright nasty. There were a lot of sites that were just two uh, X's and O's. But for me, it was always about the enjoyment of of the community and the enjoyment of sports in general and the humor that you can find in that with cards like this that we were just looking at. Um, but what got you, what got the crew together and um, yeah, what kind of drove you to, you know, to do it? Because we, as we mentioned last week, a lot of us were just doing it on the side and for free. So there had to be a passion behind that. Yeah. My, my, uh, my path was always, always technology, you know, like I, um, I was a computer science and, and, uh, marketing major, oddly, and like just weird kind of mix from the beginning. So it's like, I, I, I love the idea of, of programming and making things that people could interact with digitally, but also always had that, that marketing slant to, um, to focus really on how do you drive customer behavior and um, I, I just, you know, again, I was a sports fan, but I wasn't, I, I felt like I wasn't getting into sports blogging because of the sports even. It, w- it was that um, I was a reader of things like, you know, page two and Bill Simmons. And, um, and that was really, you know, first of its kind, not, not, in, not in just taking a fan centric tone, but, but one that just, the, you know, everything from the, the layout to the colors, to the fonts, like it just, it looked different than every other sports centric website. And, um, and I knew that I could create something like that, you know, so uh, because not everybody knew HTML and CSS. So I looked at it as, um, you know, I was fortunate enough to know, you know, Josh Baycott uh, in St. Louis who founded Joe sports fan and, um, you know, linked up with him and just really the angle for him was like, let me recreate your website because I, I think that, um, in doing that, we, 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 you know, we can gain an edge. We can, um, you know, uh, take advantage of RSS feeds a little bit better. We can lay this layout, the website, um, to just be more efficient and, and, and eye popping. And so that was really the angle of it. And, um, I think we, we, we had that, we pulled that thread really throughout 10 years in the history of Joe sports fan and being, you know, early to, RSS feeds, microsites, um, really how to use social to build an audience. We were early to podcasting and, and it, it was really just kind of leveraging the technology and the tools that were at our, at our disposal. So that was my interest at the beginning. I was a terrible writer. I had no interest in being a you know host of, of the podcast that we ultimately created, um, but just got into it just because, you know, that was just, that was the platform that we created and had a lot of fun and kind of honed my skills there, but it was really just to get into it for the technology of it all. Then through that, the 
the community aspect of how we all linked up in those early days, right? Um, certainly, you had an attitude and a, an aesthetic to your website, but you also had the tone, and whether that was you, Josh, the collective, right? There was also the the solid content that was being pumped out into this nice looking platform. Um, but then somehow, and take me back, because it's it's all kind of fuzzy and everybody's a little bit different. But us us bloggers back then, or us podcasters, all managed to find each other um, to coalesce and and to try to push and and encourage each other. And I think certainly with with blogs with balls, that was a thing. So um, the communal aspect of blogging back then uh, is very much similar to what it seems the parochial vision that you're trying to take with, say, the, the city of St. Louis. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, it's, a, it's a great analogy is, you know, especially in that first event in New York, um, it, you know, it felt, it felt raw, it felt gritty. Um, but, but there, there was, you know, there was, there was just this feeling in the, in the room that, there's something here. And, and if we all kind of work together, whether or not we cover the same things or have the same tone, if you're X and O's focus and I'm humor focused, like that's cool. But like the sharing of ideas uh, was, was not, was power and knowledge. And, and um, you know, how do you meet people? How do you, how do you share links like that? There was that feeling that it, you know, truly if, if we work together, th- this is going to go a lot faster. Um, and I thought that that was the cool part. And um, yeah, again, Don, like to, to tie it to what we're trying to do here in St. Louis, it's uh, St. Louis is a, is a pretty fragmented town that needs to come together. And I, I think what better way um, than than sports entertainment and the global game of soccer that is international, diverse, inclusive. Um, so yeah, I, I think both macro and micro, that's where we're at today, but also, you know, to tie it back to blogs with, ball, blogs with balls, like it's um, those communal events were, I, I mean, I, I cherish them still, um, but just remember, um, you know, not only in the moment and just enjoying it, but, but leaving feeling like just something bigger than, than what we were doing on Joe Sports Fan. And, and that was really the, the, you know, the friendship and communal aspect. Before you actually got out there, say to New York, and you did, you know, at least the first three, right? We did New York, we did Vegas, we did Chicago. Chicago. Um, Thinking about, you know, again, flying out from the Midwest to New York, you know, what were your expectations going out there or did you have any? Um, I I think I I know this, this will sound cliche, certainly, but it's, you know, when we're all doing our own thing on our own blogs and, uh, it's, it's, it's faceless, you know, and, and even at a time where Twitter and some of the social channels were still so early, you know, s- social channels at least give a, a sometimes negative, a, a different view, a different insight into personality. Right. But, but really we were going into New York and even Vegas as I really only knew, you know, Spencer Hall by what he had written. I only knew, you know, Matt Ufford by what he writes and, um, and, and there's, there's deeper personality there that, you know, going out, I think there was a little bit of nerve that I don't know these people. Uh, I don't know if I like them, want to hang out, you know, have a beer with play cards. Like that, that's the deeper level of personality where relationships are made. And so I, I, I just felt like those events were so critical to realize that there are people all over the United States trying to do what we're doing and they're rolling up their sleeves and they're hustling. We all come from different backgrounds, but we're all trying to do the same thing. And I think that that was the critical part is just to 
face to face with a, with a bunch of other humans and, and realize that there's a lot more commonality that exists, you know, behind, you know, whatever anybody writes on a given Tuesday. Was there uh, anybody in particular that kind of jumped out at you, whether it was uh, most interesting or most influential that you met uh, throughout the, uh, you know, the last 10 years at these events? I've, I've always liked Ufford. Um, I, I just think his, his wit is quick. It's, it's uh, his writing style w- was unique and his ability to bring in, you know, pop culture references was, was so strong. I, and again, a cliche answer, uh, but it's what, what Skeets and, and Taz have, have done. Obviously they've gone on to extremely celebrated careers, um, justifiably so. But again, you know, back to 10 years ago at these events, their, you know, their podcast was really just starting to get celebrated and recognized. And to know that even when it was getting celebrated 10 years ago, that they still had, you know, five years before that, that they were getting up every day at 6am recording a video podcast, which was early. They all, they both had other jobs and like that, that type of grind and hustle, not knowing kind of what's on the other side um, I just always found extremely enviable, um, just cause it takes a, it takes a different fire in your belly to, to do that and not knowing that it's, um, no one's promising you anything. Um, so I, I'm just, every time I see those guys on air, just kind of get, uh, you know, a, a, just a, a little sprinkle of emotional knowing that th- this is 20 years of craft that they've put into it and they've earned every bit of it. Thinking about it now, because I feel like it was it was just such a smaller pool back then, right? When you look at those the big social tools, the the platforms that made it so easy for anyone to suddenly have that voice, were just hitting scale. So a lot of us, there was serious craft that had to go into getting a blog or a podcast out back then. There weren't like seventeen platforms to go record a live podcast. Nobody really worked at it. Yeah, you couldn't just flip on Instagram Live and start talking to an audience. Like you, you had to have the oh, yeah. tools, the knowledge, the wit, all the above to I, package I something together. Yeah, I, I honestly, Don, I remember this was in, in Chicago. Two different conversations of like sitting in a back room and like drawing out um, like schematics for how to host a podcast. It's like, all right, like you got to get a Skype license and you do that, and you you know you, you, you get a you know uh, you plug this wire into this machine. It was, it was just it's bonkers, man. So um, yeah, you hosted you hosted the podcast yeah panel right yeah, yeah. yeah that's right yeah so, so so yeah I mean the, the barrier to entry is much lower now, which is is great. So I think my question would be you know looking at what you were describing, I'm sort of like, I think a lot of these people took a leap of faith, right? As far as the work that went into it and is this going to be a thing? And now all of a sudden things, things with the scale of the internet, things can take off TikTok. You see like the leap of faiths are smaller, but they're still, I'm curious if you were to look at what's going on today and you were to place bets, if you were the, in your twenties, if we were all back where we were, like, what's the, what are people sleeping on? Or what's the, what are, what's the like, place to go that isn't the quickly saturated TikTok that is, and maybe you'd say it's whatever falls out of Substack, but where, like, where will the next, you know, basketball Jones emerge from that we may not be looking at right now? I I, I still think it's product. I think, I think content has become so commoditized and it's a necessary part of doing business. But um, ultimately if you can get goods in, in someone's hands, it's, it's just, it's so powerful and that, and that scales. Um, so I, I think it will evolve from being, um, you know, you could get in the door because you could write 
to you could get in the door if you knew how to stand up a WordPress site to now it's you can get in the door. Um, you know, Shopify kind of gets you there, but it's really this, this, I think, platform play where I think kids are coming out of college and thinking, how do I create a brand? How do I create product? Um, and then that platform is, is how, is how consumers will, will find me and engage with me. So it, it's just, it's a, it's a different ball game now. Um, well, that- again, not for anything and for all their polarization, I think Barstool has been well ahead of that game, right? They were doing these yeah. in-person meetups, right? Local, very hyper-localized stuff. They have the brand sort of uh, pillars or verticals that they're able to push out now. It's really that collective of what you talked about with rookies, about what we talked about with Blogs of Balls. It's how do you marry that on and that offline to really build a stronger connection between the consumers or you know whether it's... Uh, whether it's news consuming or entertainment consuming or physical consumption of goods, I think it's, it's those that find that connection. It, it seems very much like what you're, you're talking about. Um, and I know we all have, uh, we all have other jobs and, 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 uh, and conference calls and zoom calls coming up real quickly. So I want to try to wrap up a little bit. We've talked about a lot of the, the positive stuff that you've done and the good stuff that you've done. Um, but you've been grinding for, for quite some time. Is there anything that you look back on and wish you had done differently, uh, in retrospect? I have, I have somehow, you know, fortunately ended up, I think, where, where I, where I need to be and, and a place that, that, that makes me extremely happy professionally and personally, you know? Um, but in terms of like, you know, the, the, the blog world and it, 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 as you, as you retrospect on that and play it back, there were, there were definitely a few of those moments that it felt like we were, we were really close to like tipping the scale. And, um, you know, for us, it was always a side gig. It was a side hustle. It was, it was great. That worked for us. And so it wasn't this, um, this Gary V moment of quit my job. You know, like there was no major sign that, that said like, we got to put all of our eggs in this basket. But like it, 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 when you retrospect on that, you realize that if this was my full-time gig, we could have done X, we could have done Y. And, um, I think the, the biggest the biggest one of those things that Josh Baycott and I talk about frequently is um, the you know the ability to create a, a docu series and I think we were we were at, at the table a couple times um, with ESPN and, and Fox to to cr- to create a docu series that we we were really fired up about and I'll talk about it now because by today's standards it all makes sense but this was you know eight years ago. Um, and Don and I have talked about this. It was called the unprofessionals and it was really a docu-series that followed around some of these fringe uncovered sports like frisbee golf and shin kicking and log rolling and wiffle ball. Um, all the, all the, all the ones that I have to represent in my uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> professional yeah. career. Yeah. But we, we thought it would have been a really killer series. And, um, the ESPN one got incredibly cu- cl- close with, uh, with Rob King, um, blogs with balls guest. Um, it, but it was an Olympic year and their focus was all on kind of the professional and amateur sports, not some kind of humor based, uh, almost tongue in cheek satire. So, um, that is one in particular that's like, Oh God, if we could have, if we, if we just would have been there and kind of put more into it, that, that, that could have taken off before, before it's time. Well, things might converge when we get breakdancing in the Olympics in 2024. I feel like yeah. then the, the roads are maybe yeah. coming back around to see. Yeah. Um, 
that would have been, that would still be great to see that was, I still would, would definitely be all in on that. So everybody that's anybody listening out there, there's a million new places for content, Netflix, you're yeah. writing checks left and right. Let's, that's uh, right. let's see back on the phone. Yeah. What's your most memorable moment from any of these events uh, that you've been to? I know Jamie pointed out a couple where he was and when he wasn't there and just heard about, but was there anything that kind of stuck out as a, as a, a memorable moment for you? I mean, you know, having Gary V at the first one was incredible. Um, you know, because I, I think he hadn't really broke full scale yet, um, which I think was, was really cool. And he was saying the things then that he's saying now, you know, um, but, but kind of, but backing it up. Um, so that, that was a cool moment. Um, you know, I think Vegas, Vegas was fun because, you know, everyone had really already met, um, in, in New York. Um, and so we were, we were kind of, we were all friends, you know, but, but doing it again and at a much bigger scale. Um, so that, that, that was cool. Um, yeah, I don't know. Th- those, those, those two definitely stand out. It sounds, sounds about right. From what I remember, I, a lot of these, when I'm at, when we're asking, you know, what stands out, it's, it's me trying to fill in a lot of, um, yeah. a lot of brown Boring spots, moments. a lot of like gray spots in the uh, memory there. Yeah. Um, I don't know anything else before we, before we go, I know we're, uh, we're winding down. So I, I think maybe just, uh, maybe just thank you for the time. Let you get back to building a soccer team from the ground up or, or a <laughs> commerce company with a soccer team from the ground up. And, um, right. as that takes shape and, and more details fill in, of course, we'll want to have you back and talk more. And, um, as we continue the series, I'm sure we'll get some groups back together to again, continue to fill in some of the, uh, the fog in between all those fun moments that we've had. Yeah, no, I appreciate you guys, not only for, you know, resurrecting the show. I, you know, this is, this is, this is a single moment in time right now, but it, it really is that, you know, the things I cherish is, you know, the relationship with, with both you guys and really over the last 10 years to kind of, kind of grow and learn. And there are crazy ideas I've, I've shot to both you guys over the last 10 years and some of them good and some of them horrible, but like that, that type of like very open feedback and dialogue, I think is, is, um, you know, an evolution process for everybody that kind of gets us to ultimately where we are today. So thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. Let's, let's keep riffing. I feel like, uh, as much as changed and as much as grown up, there's still a lot still happening. We're still early days. So let's, yeah. uh, let's keep doing That's it. Right. I mean, the thing that amazes me with both Matt and Jamie last week is just where they've gone. Um, but it's not like you couldn't see that happening, right? You, you saw the progression, you saw the growth, and it's it's really impressive. And, and it honestly makes me proud uh, to know that you're kind of groundbreaking in the position that you're doing and look forward to seeing just all the great stuff that you do with the team out there. Um, and hopefully we'll get a match in, in a couple of years that we'll be That's able right. to pop out there and you can give us the uh, the grand tour. You bet. Thanks, fellas. Awesome. Cool. Thanks, Matt. Yeah. Matt Seebeck, Joe Sports fan, St. Louis City. Right, St. Louis City Soccer Club, Rookies app, a lot of things. Thanks for joining us, old friend of the show. Until next week, I'm Don. Kyle, thank you. Matt, we'll talk soon. See ya.